Now, the Apostle Paul may seem to be making a sudden jump to a different subject as we move from chapter 12 to chapter 13. You remember that he has been talking about responsibilities and reactions, personal responsibilities that we have as Christians. And he's been encouraging Christian behavior in our everyday lives. And now he suddenly brings in the government and our responsibility to obey and to submit to them. But actually, there is no break. We know there's a chapter break, but we also know that they're artificial uh, because these chapters were put in later. When Paul wrote his letters, he didn't divide them up into chapters. That's for our convenience. So he just naturally flowed on from personal responsibilities and then came to the government. What he's been doing is talking about our relationships in the light of the great mercy that God has shown us. That's where he started in chapter 12, isn't it? He reminded us that we have received such great mercy from God. God has been so merciful in forgiving us our sins, in showing us his great love in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Paul is saying is, because God has been so good to you, because God has forgiven your sins in Christ, because God has set his love upon you, because he has changed you in your mind and your heart, how should you live your lives now? And he says we should live our lives differently. And this should affect every relationship with which we have. Obviously it affects our relationship with God, but then it also affects our relationship with other people. It affects our relationship with our fellow believers, other Christians. Our relationship with them should be... Uh, should be really changed by the fact that we are Christians. We've come into a relationship with them that is a unique relationship in the world. We can truly call ourselves brothers and sisters. We're part of the one family. And so we belong to one another in the church. And we should think of, our, of one another in that way. And then he talks about the relationship that we have to our neighbours and to those around us who we live amongst day by day. And he even talks about our relationship towards our enemies and those who would hate us and want to cause us harm. And then he steps quite naturally and quite logically to the next relationship because the next relationship that you and I all have is our relationship to the civil authorities. Because as Christians we're living in the world, aren't we? And because we're living in the world, we have to live, like everybody else, under the government that we have, the existing government. We all have to pay taxes. We all have to obey the speed limits when we're driving. We all have to live within the law. And what Paul is saying is, because you have received such mercy and grace from God, because you're Christians and your minds have been transformed by the gospel, this relationship also needs to be different. As Christians, you must live different lives to those around you. Even if your life looks identical to the life of your unbelieving neighbor, even if you actually do the same things that they do, you will actually be doing them for a completely different reason. And that makes it different. That makes it completely different for you. Because being a Christian transforms the way that we think and the way that we live. So how do we understand government then? 
How do you understand the authorities that we live under? Well, as a loving creator, God has established three great institutions for the well-being of mankind. And these three great institutions were there from the very beginning of creation. And as you read through the Bible, you find them being developed and explained to us, one of them in far more detail than either of the other two. What are these three great institutions? Well, the first is the family. We find that in the Garden of Eden that uh, God established the family. For this reason, he says in Genesis 2, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one. So the family is there. Right at the beginning of creation, the family is there. But then the church, and supremely in the word of God, it is the church that is the most important institution. don't even like calling it an institution, really. It's far more than that. It's the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we go through the Bible, we see that God has established his church. He's chosen a people to be his very own. In fact, of all three of these institutions, it's only the church that is going to last into eternity. And that is why the Bible is taken up. We're talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the third is the state. And we find here in Romans 13, we also find in 1 Peter chapter 2, and in Titus chapter 3, some teaching about the, the government, about the state and when these three great institutions, the family, the church, and the government, when they are all functioning as God decrees that they should, then people will live good lives. And people will be built up physically and emotionally and socially and spiritually. And when any one of those institutions break down, we find that there is anarchy, there is suffering, there is sorrow and there is great harm. And we see that, don't we, in many countries of the world. You think of a country like Syria. And uh, in our lifetime, we have seen that whole country and its state system completely collapse. And you see what terrible harm there is. We've also seen, in a measure, the, the church in Syria collapse. Because many Christians have fled the country... We can understand why they've done that. Many of them have fled to America if they had enough money. They've done that, leaving just some very poor, isolated believers there. And you see the great harm that there is being done because of that. You see the terrible harm that is done in society when family breaks down. And we have seen far more family breakdowns in our lifetimes than ever before. And we see the terrible harm that that causes to children and to grandchildren, and to men and women, husbands and wives, and parents and grandparents. So you see how important it is that we need to understand what the Bible's teaching is about the family, about the church, and about the state. So why is it then that Paul comes to this subject in chapter 13? Why is it that he's moved through all these relationships that we have, and then he says, now I'm going to talk to you about how you should live under the authorities that you are under. Well, he's writing to the Christians in Rome. Now, Rome was the centre of government, wasn't it? The centre of world government. It was in Rome that the emperor had his palace. 
It was from Rome that the emperors ruled the world. The Roman Empire at this stage stretched uh, a very, very long way. And the Roman Empire still had some years to run when Paul wrote this letter to the Romans. Now many Christians in Rome would have been from a Jewish background. There would have been, as we know from reading the book of Romans, there would have been Christians in Rome who were from a Jewish background and other Christians who were from a Greek background and there were people from all over the world. You know what, you know what cities are like, you know what London is like. You can hear almost any language under heaven spoken in London because it's a place where people travel and they settle and they have their communities and, and it's a cosmopolitan place. Well, Rome was like that. But amongst the Christians there, there will be many from a Jewish background. And the Jews always had a desire for independence from Rome. They saw the Romans as the occupying force in Israel. They saw the Roman government as the oppressors. They were zealots amongst them. Even one of Jesus' disciples was called Simon the Zealot because he was part of this party that really desired independence from Rome. Of course, when he came to know Jesus, his whole, shift, his, his whole uh, focus of life shifted from that and he came to love the Lord more than he loved his Jewish background. But there were zealots there, and they wanted the kingdom to be ruled by Jews, for Jews. In fact, the Jewish people had such a, a reputation for unrest and rebellion that the Emperor Claudius actually expelled all of the Jews from Rome at one point. We read about that in Acts chapter 18, because two of the people who were expelled from Rome were uh, Aquila and Priscilla, uh, Paul's friends, the tent makers. So probably Claudius did that because he felt that they were a rebellious people and they threatened the peace of the state. Now that might have been unjustified because we know that Jews have often been uh, the subject and the object of, of people's hatred. But nonetheless it, it shows, doesn't it, that there was this tendency amongst the Jews to want to change things and there, was, there certainly were several rebellions that we read of in, in the Bible. So Paul wants the Christians, whether they're from a Jewish or a Gentile background, he wants them to live differently. He wants them to show that Christianity is not like that. Christianity is not rebellious. Christianity is not always against the government. I think this is a message we need to hear. Because, you know, sometimes governments believe that Christians are always against them. They believe that whatever laws they, they, they make, that Christians are going to oppose them. I think the problem is that Christians often do oppose and protest and write letters about things they don't agree with, and they very rarely write letters of support and encouragement. And I think that needs to be balanced out a bit better. But Paul wants us to know that Christians are not rebellious people. We are peaceable people. And actually, our focus is not on overturning governments. Our focus is in seeking the kingdom of Jesus to be established. So how can Christians live as good citizens, showing that our minds have been transformed by the gospel? Well, here it is in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority established 
which God, except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So first of all then, we as Christians are to submit to the governing authorities. Very clear principle, isn't it? Paul deliberately doesn't go into all the ins and outs of living in a society that doesn't love God or recognize his word. He deliberately doesn't talk about the times when governments make laws that are against the Ten Commandments. That's immediately what you and I start thinking about. Paul says, hold on a minute. Let's first of all establish the principle. The principle is this. Everyone, everyone must submit to the governing authorities. Now Paul is not a stupid man. He is a very, very wise and intelligent man. He knows that there are going to be difficulties. He knows that there are going to be grey areas. But he's interested first of all in laying down this very clear basic principle. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. You notice, everyone. It's universal. Everyone. You and me and everybody else. Nobody is exempt from this. Every single one of us must submit to the governing authorities. You notice that it's a voluntary thing as well. It was quite interesting. It has been very interesting, hasn't it, to to read and to hear of some of the things that have been going on in number 10 over the last year. And and I think we need great sympathy to recognize that back there, we didn't know what we know now. But one of the things that struck me was this. There was a real concern that if the Prime Minister said that all of us had to stay at home last March, there was a real concern that we wouldn't do it. There was a real concern that uh, any stay-at-home order would just be disobeyed widely. Now, as it turned out, it wasn't. In fact, the majority, the vast, vast majority of people actually did exactly what we were told to do. But I thought that was interesting because it points something out. Governments can only truly govern well when people willingly do what they are told. And there's a voluntary thing, isn't there? Everyone must submit himself or herself we must submit ourselves we're not we're not to be made to do this it's something that we should be willing to do and it's only when we're willing to do it that that governments can govern and people can be governed so that really includes an attitude of our heart uh, as well as actual obedience in practice you notice that it includes all levels of government as well. He, he again is deliberately general because he knows, well certainly the Holy Spirit knows, that through all the centuries there are going to be lots of different forms of government. Now we have a democratic system, don't we? Parliamentary democracy. And uh, you know, as Winston Churchill said, it's the, it's the worst form of government except for all the others. And I'm sure he's absolutely right in that. But that's what we're living under. There are other people living under dictatorships, aren't there? And there are other people in more sort of religious um, states where Islam is not only a religion, but it's also the way the state is run. So there are all sorts of different types of government. But again, Paul is very general. He talks about the governing authorities. 
And so for us, it includes everything, doesn't it? It includes the European Court of Human Rights. It includes the Westminster government. It includes the Senate. It includes our local council. It even includes many other things like the local health board, uh, the education authority, social services, the judiciary. And when they are acting in their office, it includes the police, the traffic warden, the judge, the magistrate. And all different forms of governing authorities are embraced in this one term. And, and every one of us interacts with those through our lives at different times. And, and this is underlined by Peter, isn't it? Because Peter says exactly the same thing. He doesn't want to exclude any type of authority. 1 Peter and chapter 2 and verse 13. Submit yourselves, again you see, submit yourselves... It's not something that should be forced upon us. something that we should willingly do. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. Every authority. Whether to the king as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. I notice that more recent translations don't have the word king there. They have the word emperor. And that's probably more, more to the point. So Christians, we are, we are expected to be model citizens on the road. If you're a driver, you're supposed to be the best driver, the most considerate driver. And, uh, and, and not only in driving, in school. Every Christian is, in, is supposed to be a model student. In college, in university as well, we're supposed to live our lives the best way we can when we go to the local shop, the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we speak to others, should be different from those who would perhaps be abrasive and critical and demanding. When we're in hospital, we should talk to the nurses and the doctors and others in a gentle way. We should be considerate to others. We should submit ourselves to what is going on there, even if it's hard and difficult to do that. We are to make sure that we live our lives wherever we are, traveling on the public transport, everywhere. We're to live our lives well. And this is perfectly consistent with what Paul has been saying about Christian conduct in chapter 12. This is how we show that we are different. It's also how we show that we are members of a different kingdom with different principles. You see, rather than using our Christianity to excuse ourselves from paying taxes or from abiding by the local laws, we should be the first ones to respect those laws and to respect those who rule. It means not breaking the law, but it also means that we should positively encourage those who are in positions of authority, recognizing that it is a very difficult place to be. So we are all to submit to the governing authorities. But then we have the reason. Now the reason is this, and this is the second point, there's only two points. The second point is this, the governing authorities have a God-given right to rule. Now we need to be careful about that, don't we? Because we immediately think about the way that kings in the past, the medieval kings, claimed their divine right but that's not exactly the same thing as Paul is talking about here. The governing authorities have a God-given right to rule. He says this very generally. There is no authority 
except that which God has established. And then he underlines it. The authorities that exist have been established by God. They've been established by God. They've been instituted by him. They've been authorized by him and prescribed as the main instrument for maintaining order and punishing criminals who seek to disrupt that order. You want to live in a, in a, a state that is ruled well, don't you? You want to, want to make sure that criminals are caught. And you want to make sure that they are taken to, to court and that they are punished adequately. Well, that's what the state is for, is to enable us to live peaceful lives. And God has established that rule of law. They've been instituted by God. Verse 2, uh, so consequently he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. They've not only been established, they've been instituted by God. That means they've been arranged and put in place and appointed by God. That is the authorities that are there. There's no greater authority than God, is there? And he's endowed all lower authorities with their authority. It is God who sets up and it's God who throws down. This was a lesson that a terrible dictator in the Old Testament had to learn. Nebuchadnezzar, in the book of Daniel, he had to learn this. He thought he was a great ruler and that there was no one greater than him. He had no regard for God at all. And then one day, in a moment, God took everything away from him and uh, he took his reason and his thinking ability and he had to go out and he lived like an animal out in the fields and his nails grew like claws and uh, he, was, he was living and eating the grass and so on. And then he came back to his senses and this is what he said in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 32. He reminds us what God said to him, you will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals, you will eat grass like cattle, seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. And then he says in verse 34, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honoured and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? It is God who sets up the authorities. It's God who brings them down again. And so Paul puts this in a very general way. But then he's more specific, isn't he? It's not just the government that you or I would like. Again, you're, you think about this, don't you, when you read these passages and you say, well, that will be okay, but you know... I didn't elect this government, or I don't like this government, or it doesn't do what I think they should. Now, we might think that. We might not. We might say, this is exactly the government that I voted for. But whether we voted for them or not, whether we think that they're doing a good job or a bad job, that is not the issue. The issue is that the authorities that exist the authorities that exist have been established by God. Not the ones that we'd like to be there, 
but the ones that are there. Now remember, Paul is writing in the Roman Empire. He is under the dictatorship of some very vicious and nasty men. And also, they were living in the Roman Empire where life was hard, especially for Christians, because there was tremendous persecution. But he's still able to say, the authorities that exist have been put there by God. What does that mean for us? Well, it means that those in authority should recognize that the source and the extent of their power comes from God, and they shouldn't overstep the mark. Everybody who's any in any position of authority should realize that God has put them there. Remember what Pilate said to Jesus in John chapter 19 and verse 11. It's most instructive, John 19 and verse 11. Well, verse 10, Pilate says, Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Pilate needed to learn that. Pilate thought he was a man of great authority. But Jesus says, Don't forget, God has put you where you are, God has given you that authority. You don't have that in and of yourself. That's very important. If any of us get into a position of authority, and many of us do, don't we? In the world, we have responsibilities. We must always remember that God has given us that. God has put us there. And the ultimate authority is always him. It also means that as, as believers, we ought to obey the authorities, even when the laws seem wrong or unnecessary, or even unfair. Sometimes the governments in the world are harsh and dictatorial. But remember the book of Esther. That's why I read that to you earlier. This man, Mordecai, he gives us a great example of how you can be a good citizen, even in a harsh dictatorship. A dictatorship that's actually taken his young cousin, Esther, forcibly, and taking her into the king's Harim. And, and he allowed that to happen. There was nothing he could do to stop that. But he worked within the system and he even managed to save the king from being assassinated because he overheard a plot and reported it. Now he could have said, well, you know, just as well, get rid of him. But he didn't. He was a good citizen. Now the result of that was that ultimately his life was saved and the lives of all the Jews were saved because of that one act when he behaved as a good citizen in a harsh dictatorship. We need to learn these lessons of the history of the word of God. So that means on a very mundane level that you and I need to submit to the speed limits. We need to submit to paying our taxes. We need to submit to the lockdown rules and every other requirement of law and order. Now, of course, if the civil authorities step outside their God-given mandates, and if they start to demand what God has forbidden, or to forbid what God has commanded, at that point we have got to obey the higher authority. We have a much higher duty to obey God rather than men, as we read in Acts chapter 5. Daniel had to do this, didn't he? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had to do this. But let's remember, those occasions are very, very rare. 
Christians must never get a reputation of being rebellious and of being lawbreakers. It's only when it's absolutely necessary and quite clear that by obeying a government we'll be disobeying God. It's only at that point that we have to say, well, I've got to obey God. And when we do, we will have to pay the penalty for that, even if that means imprisonment or fines. So in verse 2, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. So, as we finish, last time you exceeded the speed limit, last time you deliberately filled in your tax return incorrectly, last time you kept your child off from school without a good reason, last time you travelled on a train or a bus without getting the proper ticket, last time you applied for an allowance that you don't really deserve and you're not really entitled to. Last time you tried to avoid people finding out how much money you had so that you'll be able to claim something that you didn't really need. Last time you asked for medication that you don't really need. Last time that you used someone else's address to get your child into the school of your choice. And a thousand, thousand other ways in which, in little ways, we rebel. We're actually resisting God. Because it says, those who rebel against the authority are rebelling against what God has instituted. We need to be careful about the way that we live our lives in the everyday things of life. Because we're living under authority. Now God is merciful. We thank him for that. There's forgiveness for all that we have done that is wrong. But none of that gives us an excuse to go and live our lives rebelling against authority. We must remember that when we do that, we're actually rebelling against God. And in view of God's great mercy to us, how should we really behave? We should submit to the authorities, knowing that God has established them for the good of society. Well, there's much more, as we shall see as we continue in chapter 13. But that is the general principle, and we must make sure that we seek to live for God's glory with the help of his Holy Spirit in that way. Well, number 741 is a hymn that I'd love us to be able to sing and uh, close with, but we can't sing. We have to obey the authorities at the moment. So let our lips and lives express the holy gospel we profess. So let our works and virtues shine to prove the doctrine all divine. Thus shall we best proclaim abroad the honours of our Saviour God when his salvation reigns within and grace subdues the power of sin. Our flesh and sense must be denied, passion and envy, lust and pride while justice, temperance, truth and love our inward godliness approve. Religion bears our spirits up while we expect that blessed hope, the bright appearing of the Lord, and faith stands leaning on his word. Let's close in prayer. O Lord, may our lips and our lives express the holy gospel that we profess. May the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit 
Rest and abide with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen.